Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Exciting news. Hold the front page, Lorraine. Things are happening in the garden. Um, Well, you know, twitching. Twitching beyond my greatest expectations. Um, A woodpecker. We've had a woodpecker in my little London postage stamp garden. And uh, obviously I saw it and I was kind of jumping up and down and very excited about it. I don't know uh, what to say yeah, about speechless. this. You're speechless. Reincarnation <laughs> of you as a bird watcher. I'm just hoping oh. it doesn't come to me. This well, I can send my... It's a bit of, bit of wow and wonder at the world, but just seeing a little woodpecker. It was a bit confused, though, because we don't really have any trees in our garden, so it landed on the one next door, which is a funny palm tree. <laughs> started pecking at a palm tree, wow. which was slightly unusual. Anyway, it's made my day. You know who's going to get it, don't you? Oh, right. Yeah. No, Margot no, 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 be no, no, don't worry. No, she won't. The, the woodpecker's Woodpecker canopy she'll be having before <laughs> she drags that giant rat she kills in. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teams. Good morning, young Trish. We are almost halfway through series seven. Feels like winter. It's creeping up upon us. We've been through the autumn equinox. Mercury is in retrograde at last. Or Mercury is out of the microwave, as my 11-year-old is often oh. says when I waffle on about Mercury. Anyway, apparently oh. now is the time of the year we should be cleansing our minds and our homes. We should be going through a new phase of life. What's happening in your world? Oh, well, yes, cleansing. Just call me Mrs. Mop. You know me. I love a bit of cleaning. I've already done some hoovering. cleansing. I mean spiritual cleansing, woman. Okay, well, I don't think you can do spiritual cleansing if there's a furball on your stairs that's just been yipped I've up. i told you to get rid of a certain furry member of that anyway that's what that's a bit of cleansing i did this morning right. that's as far as it's got but yes but back okay. to your, <laughs> back to your <laughs> anyway as we are heading towards these colder evenings i have stopped going out i mean i can't mm. afford to go out anyway no who anymore. can, can. Who can? god <laughs> me and my family of four not my lovely family of six now we're two down we are glued to strictly bake yes who wants to be a millionaire all of those saving lives at sea but guess who popped up the other night unexpectedly on my telly? Now, we've been talking about her that day and she suddenly appeared oh. on TV wearing something that looked really like this yellow tablecloth that I got. Mm. Well, I would normally was? say it would be one of your many glamorous celebrity <laughs> friends, obviously. <laughs> Because obviously. this is obviously the perfect name dropping moment. Yeah. But I can't see JLo in a yellow tablecloth ensemble, but no. I'd probably really dearly like to see her in one. No. So oh, go on, who was it? I don't know. 
Brace yourself, Pete. Yeah, bracing. Pam S. Oh, Pam! Now, do you remember we mentioned her poem, September Song, about her son going to uni when we were talking about Empty Nest? And I was a bit shocked when Pam appeared because um, I thought she'd gone to the great poetry reading in the sky. (laughs) Turns out, no. She's presenting the Cotswolds with Pam Ayres on Channel 5. Oh, gosh. It's quite random. It's quite a random programme. But then I thought, that's your dream job, isn't it? Escape to the country, TV. Yes, yes. Wearing a tablecloth. Um, Yes, I'd love that. Pam is 75. You've got 20 more years, Trish, to get there. Well, I'm making a start because um, I don't know whether I've told you about my newest uh, endeavours, which actually Neil is quite excited about. I've been... um, (laughs) Careful. Some people are listening. I've been stewing prunes. Why would you do that? (laughs) breakfasts to go on our lovely greek bowls of greek yogurt as recommended by professor tim Spector for breakfast i have been oh stewing prunes goodness. which i know we all have those horrors of the ones we used to get at school right in the school for I pudding with custard but one. well shall i just, i'll quickly share my recipe prunes in a pan a little bit of water uh, where do you get prunes what are oh, they anywhere prunes? everywhere they're dry oh. they're dry plums aren't they you get them everywhere every supermarket health okay. food store and you pop them in a pan a little bit of water a uh, dollop of marmalade dollop of chopped stem ginger and then the secret ingredient an earl grey tea bag and you just cook it up for a few minutes let them steep oh my god it's delicious neil neil and i are converts to the ways of the stewed prune what do you further, think about that trish is further turning into the martha stewart of the uk are you sure you with you? not the next pam is i think pam would prove some uh, stew some prunes wouldn't she prune prune stew prune some stunes <laughs> she'd write some kind of poem about it have you read her she poem doesn't... the last hedgehog murderous. Oh, really okay yes, right very okay. entertaining but anyway. enough of the, the experiments with fruit yes um <laughs> should we say tell everybody who our guest today is it's not because it's not pam is it's not a, a sort of no no we're not leading into that. We're, we're not, not there yet don't you worry yeah. lovely old pam we have actually got someone i'm quite honored to have on the show today Mm. she is a mayor um she has an extraordinary life story which is really inspiring we're going to be meeting donna ludford who is the lord mayor of the city of manchester home of the hacienda nightclub and other important historic happenings Mm. you know they split the atom in manchester at the university in 1917 didn't know that did you i didn't and you know what i've forgotten it already that's how interested i am in that (laughs) I think Donna's going to have a lot more interesting things to talk about, um, especially because she's had the most remarkable journey through her life, which actually began in the care system. Um, she's our second mayor on yes. the show because we had the London mayor on last year, didn't we? But um, really looking forward to meeting Donna. And pr- feel we feel really privileged, don't we, that we can bring yes. such strong and inspiring midlife stories to you all on our little podcast. Now, talking of mayors, I've just got one little quick funny Neil story because do you remember back in our days of being glamorous magazine editors and we might we might dress up a bit every day yeah. and I used to have quite a lot of chunky jewellery do you remember when that was yes. all in I had this really fabulous big glass new muse sort of necklace and Neil used to call me the Lord Mayor of Wandsworth every time he said you sh- your car's turn your limo's turning up outside <laughs> Lord you Mayor go. of Wandsworth the in Lord the house Mayor of- yeah exactly with my chunky jewellery <laughs> rude person wow Rude Neil. He's Rude. taking up as much space in the show as Margot. I know, exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank God he doesn't <laughs> listen. Anyway, we are meeting Lord Mayor of Manchester and we will be sharing three lovely things. I always want to drift into an Irish accent when I say three lovely things. Why? Go on then. Father Ted song. My lovely horror. <laughs> Do you not remember it? I do remember. 
remember it didn't get the connection with the three oh, lovely things just the word lovely lovely so much better in mm. irish but well, you're the one that can do the irish accent yes well I uh, anyway we're going to be delivering these equinox offerings to you um just to add some cheer as the winter looms yes exactly sharing is caring as they say and before we get started i must share this wonderful brain fog blooper um on the facebook group um because it's a good one and it does make us all feel far less alone your foggy thoughts um so this one is a doozy right here we go i just wanted to share a not so fabulous midlife moment with you as a new empty nester i've just come away on holiday to ibiza on my own first holiday without the husband for as long as i can remember staying with friends that sounds very nice doesn't it yes. i was at the airport yesterday and spent about a quarter of an hour idly browsing through the novels in smith's after buying a couple i turned around and couldn't see my suitcase i was in a complete panic i couldn't believe my suitcase had been stolen um i was advised to go to security and report it and as they were putting the message and description of my case out on the heathrow tannoy i suddenly had a moment of clarity and realized i had checked it in <laughs> i definitely need a holiday you certainly do <laughs> That's the kind of thing oh, I do. It's terrible, gosh. isn't it? It's that feeling you're missing something. But that sense of panic. I totally get it. Like your heart is awful, <laughs> isn't it? It's awful. Well, that is the, like the moment when we're all trying to find our phones with our phone in our hand, aren't we? Or yes. looking for our glasses with our glasses on oh. our head. Anyway, should oh. we get on with the show? Yes. Okay, my little friend, it's time mm. to spread some autumn winter cheer. Give me three lovely things. Well, start with one. What start with one and then you can do one. Well, actually, this ties into your bit of cleansing, cleansing of the, you know, the, the mind, the soul, all of that. Our friend Katie Brindle, the Chinese yes. medicine practitioner, uh, gua sha skincare expert, she's been on the show. She is fabulous. She's invented um, a new tool for our self-care tool belts. Um, is it? it is a Bianstone... <laughs> It's a Bian Stone, B-I-A-N Stone acupressure tool, which you can perform acupressure on yourself with. Where um, would you perform it? Well, you would um, you would perform it. Uh, she gives you ten acupressure points because, of course, there's gazillions yes. of them, isn't there, yeah. all over the body, and you do need it to be a trained professional to start sticking needles and all of that kind of thing in but if you focus on these 10 spots that she gives you um you just sort of rub this thing i've got it here look what what how would you describe that sort of That's like unusual. a, that a gun like a shape with a spanner on the bicycle end bicycle seat <laughs> anyway it's um it's this beautiful kind of natural stone (laughs) no (laughs) looks like it might you could turn it it up the other way i can't look at it that way okay all right (laughs) so you take this and you you basically you perform this acupressure on yourself at these different spots that she suggests and um and it helps to flow release the flow of blood and energy which is probably something we really need in autumn because it does tend to start stagnating and then it strengthens your organs it stimulates the immune system releases endorphins which is really good and um what katie says she does herself is when she's sitting on the sofa at night with her husband watching netflix she just sits there doing it so you just kind of you don't have to be yes exactly (laughs) watching or while i'm waiting for the prunes to stew so that's a very nice thing which I'm enjoying and is is helping me to get uh, claims for autumn and it costs 49 pounds and you can find it and all the details on heyumethod.com what's your first lovely thing well I'm trying to be useful um this autumn winter 
I'm going to update you on my search for eco laundry because oh, I know yes. you like my little I'm hours in that. spent in I, YouTube, yes. doing this. I have just got um, some Earth Breeze detergent sheets. Ooh. And the reason I mention it is because they, they smell really lovely. I was a little mm. bit sceptical. They just come in a little package and they're just sheets. You just put them in on top of um, the washing. There's no plastic because um, apparently only 8.4% of laundry plastic is recycled. The rest just goes into landfill because oh, we'll liquid in yeah, it is all contaminated yeah. oh um, and these little things 15 pounds for 40 loads so it's a little bit more expensive it's not cheap no i sense checked it 34 mm. aerial pods is 10 pounds so it's only a little bit more mm, okay yeah yeah washing um you just pop it in but why i mention it is it because it smells so lovely Ooh, and i do okay. like nice smelling washing Mm. But does it work? Does it get it clean? Yes, it does work because it worked with my son's absolutely disgusting football situation. Okay, uh, yeah. He just kind of kept his kit on all day and then. Oh, smelly, the next smelly. Day. Yes, As so you do. Yeah, and I was that. That was what I was slightly skeptical about. Would that? Would it work? So I only bought one set. But if you can subscribe, it's nine pounds a month. Okay, so forty loads. So it's, um, it's cheaper. Oh, where do I get those from then? Because I think I will give that a go. Breeze. Mm. Okay, super. I'm definitely doing that one. Okay. Now, well, I'm I'm sorry about this, but I am going to mention the B word. What? Not what now? Birds again? No, not birds. Beetroots. Beetroot. (laughs) Have we not banned beetroot yet? Well, there's a good reason. So, Prime Minister. I have been making. You're going to die when you hear this, but it's so delicious. A beetroot and coconut dal. Which oh is just God, oh my God. Who, that's like putting pineapple no. on pizza. Uh, it's divine. It's divine. So the lovely uh, Rukmini Aya, I hope I've pronounced her name right. She writes. She wrote writes all those brilliant roasting tin books. I've got yes. a vegetarian one. I absolutely love it. Well, her new one is out. It's called India Express, and it's got the most amazing. Um, simple but really flavoursome curry recipes and things that I haven't found before like my beetroot curry and I had it with a cauliflower palau rice it was so delicious and so easy to make and what I love about this book Could is I that make it's... it Trish though because is it that easy to make yes definitely oh, it's so easy a lot of it is and most of it's vegetarian or vegan there is some fish in there but it's mainly vegetarian and um, India Express it's inspired by it's really sweet it's a love story it's her parents who um grew up in India and they lived quite far apart and they used to take these very long train journeys and it's all the kind of you know the kind of metal tiffin boxes and it's the food that they would used to eat make with them or buy make to bring with them or buy on the way so it's all inspired by that so there's lovely lovely pictures it's a really lovely heartwarming and delicious book um and that is out now and it costs 22 pounds in the hardback but it's very pretty it's lovely that would be a great gift i think that's a lovely gift right number two for you well, um, I'm. I have mentioned Soapsmiths, the bath. Yes, lovely. And washing people before, which was set up by Samantha Jameson, um, but it's the tenth anniversary this Aww. year. Um, and I love Sam because um, she had to pawn her wedding ring and her engagement ring to set this up. Oh my goodness! Um, wow. And she worked so hard to yeah. get Soapsmith off the ground. It's London-based. It's all lo- you know, local or UK ingredients. It's really ethical. I just, she's just got such a good heart as well as a. Mm. Anyway, they're launching Walthamstow 
the new range. Oh yes, <laughs> it's all named. You know, all the all the soaps and uh, yes. each line is named um, after a London uh, borough. And did you know that William Morris came from? I did because I think there's his house or a museum up there, which I, is on my list of oh, things to do. But I haven't found watching. the time. Exactly, I've to the William up. Morris Museum. Hey, that's me. That's me. <laughs> You're not going to buy Ibiza with your friends, no, are you? <laughs> no, no, I'm going off to the museum. Yes. Anyway, I thought I would mention it because I think at this time of the year we have more baths we stay in a bit more don't we mm. we just like them i'm into nice smells well you're cleansing moment. again aren't you it's, it's more it's it's yeah. you're channeling the cleansing vibe yes yes what's well, your third well i'm channeling the the lord mayor vibe again because um having that those thoughts about my lovely chunky jewelry which of course i never wear anymore i thought right i've got to start wearing a bit more jewelry because it's just boring otherwise and i've discovered this brand it's been around for a while called majuri m-e-j-u-r-i and it's really lovely it's by this amazing young woman from jordan and um i'll just quickly drop in now to just to pique your interest uh it's worn by oprah lizzo my oprah the Duchess of Cambridge, or Princess of Wales, we should call yes, her now. Princess yes, Princess Yes, exactly. And also your favourite, Selena Gomez. So, you know, those big, wow. I think those massive hoops she's wearing in, in uh, Murders, Only, Only Murders, Murders in the, in the building. building, I think they might be from Majori. So it's very, um, it's kind of like fine jewellery. It looks like fine jewellery. It's really pretty. It's very creative, um, but it's, it's not expensive. So I've got these, I don't know whether you can see them, these kind yeah. of dangly, hoopy, dangled yes. things. Rectangle really nice. Dangles. Rectangle dangles, quite different for me. They were about £90. If you look up what the princess of wales uh wore recently it's these beautiful lovely pearl hoops and she does these hoops called croissant hoops as well oh. so a bit of statement jewelry like it, Trish. You know here. what you can do? You can wear that when we have postcards from Midlife Live yes. next year in May. Definitely. When we are going to dress up in everything. Exactly. Everything, head to toe, spangle. And glamour. To toe, sparkly. Great. Now, I've got a final thing for you. Go on. It's a tech thing, but it's oh. fine. It's an app. Right. Um, I'm just testing it. I just thought I'd do a free trial. Okay. <laughs> it's called Curio, C U R I O. Yeah. And it's selected news stories or themes of news stories from the Waterloo mm. papers but read as audio and when you're looking for something on on any of the the apps you just you have to try and chase it but you get offered things here so under right. wellness you might get a piece in the cut from the new york times yes read by someone you might get a little bit on um the space stuff that's happening now but for it's in in something that you wouldn't normally have picked up so you right. don't have to subscribe to the papers washington post new york times they just take stories tell you how long they're going to be and you can just listen to them and i, I okay. think it's a really interesting way of doing it so they it's more features and lifestyles so there's one section called how to optimize your day and then mm. it's all the stories in the guardian the times that are around okay. that kind of theme so i quite like it but also Gillian anderson has got her what do i know um mm -hmm. I guess it's a podcast, but it's really her sort of reading out research about certain things and Ooh. some guests coming on as well. She doesn't interview them, they do. And I've just listened to the one on magical thinking and why. We oh, think yes. Oh, lovely. Way. So yes. I, it's free to download for, and then you pay a subscription. But I just thought audio news, quite like the idea. Of Might be the way forward. So just to clarify, the Gillian Anderson is a different thing to Curio. No, it's on Curio. Oh, it's on Curio. It's oh, God, well, Curio. there we are. I'm yes. there in that case. I love her voice. We love her. We love yes. her. We love her voice. Sex education's yeah. coming back. 
yeah. next year. Yeah. yeah, we're ready. We're ready. So that's what we've got to offer. I mean, I was going to mention watching Real Housewives. No, don't. No, no. no. You've culture club this has been and gone. A, it's not a, a thing. For, it's not between a thing. You and I, isn't it? Yeah, I. That's not a thing. Country. Yeah. 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 Anyway, those three things for me and Trish should cheer you all up. Yes. And stay tuned because coming up next we have Donna Ludford, the Lord Mayor of the City of Manchester. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This week's special guest is Donna Ludford, the Lord Mayor of the City of Manchester, whose story of growing up in care to becoming mayor is one of the most remarkable midlife journeys Lorraine and I have heard. Donna, now 53, was placed into Manchester's care system at just six months old following a major accident involving both her parents. The following years saw her move to every corner of the city, living in more than 20 homes, suffering abuse, neglect and incredible hardship along the way. She left school at 16 with no qualifications, ended her first toxic marriage at 24, becoming a single mother and later working as a cleaner to support her two children. She then met her husband, Sean McHale, who she was finally able to build a happy and stable family life with. Together, they are parents and step-parents to four children aged 31, 29, 24 and 23 and have one granddaughter, Posey, aged two. Growing up in care, being a care leaver does not define me, she says. The scars it left does not define me. My achievements define me. My achievements make me who I am and who I want to be. If her story sounds like something of a modern day fairy tale, she is certainly the heroine at the centre of it. And we're delighted that Donna, Labour councillor for Clayton and Openshaw, is joining us today to talk about her remarkable journey and share the hope and wisdom she has learned from facing and triumphing over every kind of adversity. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Donna. Absolutely fabulous to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. Congratulations on becoming the Lord Mayor of Manchester. I think it's been about four months since your yep. investiture. How's yes. it going? Are you, are you kissing a lot of babies? What's, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> I'm meeting so many communities, volunteers. I'm really busy. It's been absolutely amazing from beginning to now. And it's gone so fast. It's literally like I've been swept away 
I absolutely love this role. It's amazing. For those of us who don't know exactly what a Lord Mayor does outside of, you know, what your days are like, what your kind of remit is, tell our listeners, because you so are I... wearing your lovely chain. Is it called the chain? What's it called? Yes, it's, it's the chain with the badge. It's absolutely stunning. It does weigh a lot. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really deceiving. It does weigh quite a lot. I think you would topple Trish to the floor <laughs> wearing that. <laughs> I'm a civic mayor. I go out to communities. I open things. I go around and see volunteers and what they do. We also invite international ambassadors and councils to elevate Manchester, to show Manchester what Manchester's good at. Now, you've said that you could never, ever have imagined as a child that you could achieve something like this. And and we know we've explained in the intro that you had a remarkably hard childhood, Donna, growing up in care. What were your overriding memories of your childhood? I'm sure there are some good ones, bad ones, all sorts. We will have those. But what, what are the overriding memories for you as a small child? Rejection, hardship, neglect, abuse, unhappy. I'm not saying it was all unhappy, but the unhappy times far outweighed the good times. Very sad a lot of the time. Didn't trust people. Found it very hard to trust people. I was an angry child. I feel like I shouldn't say that. It was just all like that because there was times, you know, not with my mother, but with my fo- some foster parents, some really good foster parents, but not all of them were good. And I, I did spend some time in children's homes, family group homes and uh, foster homes. So there was a wide range of where, I ha- where I've lived and it's all it's across the city. So I've lived some very affluent areas in the city and I've lived in the, some of the most deprived areas of the city, mainly in social housing as well. You're in your 50s now, yes, your early 53. 50s. Often in midlife, it certainly happened to a lot of our listeners talk about it on our Facebook group, you have a sort of reckoning, you have a kind of awakening, you start to look back at how you've lived your life and decisions you've made and it must be quite difficult if you've had to deal with lots of difficult times and difficult feelings. How have you maintained the positivity? How have you reframed that in your mind? So during lockdown, my husband got cancer, stage three cancer. So we decided to write a book about my life. It's called Juggling in the Dark, From Care to Lord Mayor. We wrote this book because I'd always tried to tell my story to Sean, not so much my kids, but to Sean to say, these are the kind of things that happened and bless him, he didn't want to listen, not because he didn't care. It was just too painful, some of the stuff. I believe I've never been easy to live with. And I've, I've always sort of like had my demons inside. But I think writing this book has helped all the feelings and the pain. Just that, that, that moment I can cry. I never cried. I kept everything in. I, I was always a more of a, of a stubborn and not speak for days. Like, and I was angry inside. Even going through menopause as well has uh, sort of, not say helped, but just helped me sort of refocus. I mean, I remember thinking I'm forgetful. I'm having hot sweats and, um, you know, I can't concentrate. And I'm not saying I went through, uh, my my, my periods just stopped. So that was it, just done. Being 53, I'm happy to be 53. You know, I've got here. <laughs> um, so, right? <laughs> you know what I mean. I don't dwell on the fact that I'm 53. I dwell on the fact that you know I'm 53 and I'm, I'm happy and I'm healthy and I'm in a, a good place at the moment. And absolutely, is writing it down was was practically help you'd advise people to do that if they've got the kind of memories that you've got in that. Do you know what? I've met a system. few people during my role now. When I've told the story or they've read the story, they've come up and said a similar story's happened to me. And I'm going to write it down. A lovely lady I met, and she, she had a very bad experience in her childhood. And she started writing her own book now. And she mm. said it helps. It helps because 
you've got the power there to, in your hands to write down how you feel and express. And so what's happened is with me and Sean, when we wrote this book, I was able to reflect still the pain still there and I still cried there was times when I couldn't write the book because it took a few days had to go away and think and then come back to it because it wasn't it wasn't easy at all it was it was incredibly hard to do it's been two just over two years now and it's been incredibly difficult but therapeutic as well at the same time. So did you ever actually have any therapy or counselling because I know at one point you said um, and I'm not sure whether this was in your teenage years which must have been so difficult because it's so difficult being a teenager anyway right but to be in your situation dealing with all of that and I think you said you you'd you know, you had really poor mental health and had contemplated suicide. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've had CBT and I've had some form of counselling, but one of my foster parents who fostered me at the age of 16, Pat, who was instrumental in my life, because believe me, it's very difficult to have been fostered at the age of 16. Um, and the story, the little story behind this is she found me in a, in a shop window, you know, the card, mm-hmm. Um I was angry about that with the, with the children's home actually putting me in the window, but she found me that way. And she rang me at the children's home and said to me, I want you to come and live with me. And I said, okay. And she'd already got fostered three other children, all, all older. So at the age of 16, I moved in. And uh, a little funny story was I, I got there, sort of, it was a bank holiday Monday, the age of 16, and I turned up with my bags. And um, I said, I, I, I'm going away for two weeks she said, where are you going? I said, well, my boyfriend's booked Crete for two weeks. And she just looked at me and went, I don't think so, lady, do you? And I said, <laughs> I said, why? And she said, well, she said, I'll give you an ultimatum, Donna. She said, you either go away for two weeks or you come and live with me. With me, you'll have a home forever. At that moment, I had to make a decision. At the time, it was a hard decision, but I made the decision and decided to live with Pat. And she was so instrumental in my life. She was a very tough lady. I couldn't get away with anything with her. She said, you are mine. You stay here for as long as you want. Your home is here with me. For me, that's all I needed to hear. You could have gone off the rails. You might not have been sat here as Lord Mayor of Manchester. Exactly, exactly. And during my time there, I did go off the rails a little bit, but she dragged me back in. And I still had that yearning for my mum while I was with her. That yearning never went away. I just so had this pull to still go to my mum and see my mum and, and want that need to, to be loved by my own mum. Do you want to tell the listeners what happened to your parents and how you uh, yeah. ended up in care? Yeah, so at the age of six months, my mum and dad had a, a severe motorbike accident. They both survived. Dad had brain damage and mum was severely injured, a hip and a leg literally was was mashed up from the age of six months my mum was in hospital for a long time so was dad I actually don't know where I went I think I went to some foster parents in London who wanted to adopt me but mum wouldn't sign the papers after that I think when dad came out because dad came out before mum I think I went to stay with dad for a for a while I ended up in a residential nursery which was called Royal Green Nursery and back then you stayed there what happened was I ended up Going back to mum, you know, my mum couldn't cope. She was ill. She had mental health issues. She was abusive. I was very, very young when they kept getting put back with her. She was very cruel. And I think what social services was trying to do was trying to fit me back into her life, but she wasn't ready. She couldn't do it. From the age of three, four, five, and six, and the age of seven, a court order was put on that 
I wasn't to go back there and live with her permanently. Um, so I, they, I had a court order till the age of 18. But social services did keep trying to put me back with her. But um, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of um, abuse um, and neglect. Mm-hmm. And you got married at 23, didn't you, for the first time? That was a, uh, very yes. young to get married, I, I guess, even even in those days. And yes. you had two children, but it wasn't a very happy situation, no. was it? And you had to leave with small children, no family support. How did you make that decision to leave? It feels like an awful lot for a very young woman to take on. Do you know what? I was in a house in Gorton and um, my ex-husband worked on the doors in Manchester I'd had some abuse and, and stuck with it and stuck with it because I had two little children. And the long story short is we moved into this uh, property, rented property, and the night before I left, he just went absolutely ballistic. And so the next day, I literally phoned a flat while he was at work and I got a taxi. I lent £500 for a uh, deposit on a flat and I fled to Salford and got a flat in Salford and the two kids. If you ask me now how I did it, I look back and I think I don't know how I did it. I don't know what gave me the strength. But one thing I'll say is that I couldn't have let my kids go through that. I could, I just, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't have let my kids see me. And then I knew then that would never stop because it it happened for you know a year or two before. Not least all the time, but on several occasions. And I just made that decision and said no. I just can't do it. But happier times really were just around the corner, weren't they? Because I think you fairly soon after that met Sean, who became your husband. Um, I mean, there's a great story about how you met him in a nightclub, (laughs) which you told at your investiture, (laughs) which I was very impressed with. (laughs) In the Ritz. In the Ritz nightclub in Manchester. But how do you, I mean, you've been through so much. How do you start to trust people? Because you know you've been let down rejected abused it's incredible but yet here we are with this incredible marriage that you've had well believe me he was on a bungee at first because I didn't trust I really didn't and I found it really difficult I was so protective of my two kids I was really aware of meeting someone I knew it was right and I don't know how but I knew it felt right and believe me I tested him and tested him tested him he just knew how to deal with me. He knew I'd suffered, but he also knew how to calm things down. He's been an absolute incredible husband, and, and I don't sometimes think how he's stuck by sometimes. You had two further children, didn't you? Yes. You have four children. Yes, how how was your parenting, given the kind of lack of parenting in your experience of family? How did you find that? If I'm being completely honest, I suffered with OCD really bad so I had everything had to be massively compulsive yes yes um and that was never diagnosed so it wasn't but it was I knew I had some form of like the rituals were intense the ritual the the clean it had everything had to be immaculately clean looking back I wish I wasn't this clean freak I look back on that and think yeah I I get that now because I look at my granddaughter and the way my daughter is my granddaughter but Sean spent a lot more time with the children. He'd take them out a lot more. Well, I'd be there cleaning the house. I mean, I've, I have a really great relationship with all four of my kids. You know, it's a, it's a real. They must be really bond. proud of you. They are. They are. They don't. They don't. They don't post about. Well, it. They, they won't just... say it. No. <laughs> yeah, they just like <laughs> get on with it. So yes. Sean is a counsellor as well, and he proposed to you in a council meeting. No, I, I mean, that must be a first. <laughs> Was it really? It is. It is a first. And and the, and the funny side of the story with that is, uh, on that day he was made in his ma- he was doing his maiden speech, 
So I just thought he was nervous about doing his maiden speech because he's, you know, doesn't like speaking in, in public. So I kept putting my thumbs up going, you're okay, you know, you're all right. And, it, it, you know, the other side, okay. And uh, I, I, I was just so nervous about it. Anyway, he did his maiden speech. And then the Lord Mayor at the time closed the meeting and said, could everybody stay? But, you know, everybody, by the end of like three hours of meeting, everyone's really wanting to go, you know, like <laughs> we're, we're done now here. And so she, she's just like, could everybody please sit down? Um, and so then he just walked across the room and I, I just I just knew that I just went, oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, yes, it is a first. I don't think ever, nobody's ever done that before. <laughs> so it was, a, it was like it was one of those moments. And I couldn't obviously say no there, could I? But, you know, with a room of 96 councillors. <laughs> so why did you go into politics, Don? I mean, given you would know that you would have to share your background at that point and and it would be public and you would be viewed and judged and it's why did you choose to do that well to be honest the story behind being asked to be a counselor was it was really strange because we were all sat talking and we used to go in a pub where all the counselors went and one day one of the former counselors now said to me uh, would you consider it i'd been out campaigning with them and doing bits and bobs with them and i and i just looked at them like me and he said yes you and I said, oh, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. You know, I, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could be stand up and, and speak and knock on doors and do all the things that we... Anyway, when we got home, Sean said to me, oh, I think they wanted to ask me to be a counsellor. So I said, I don't <laughs> think so, Sean. I said, it's me they want. <laughs> it's That's quite a male thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was like, no, no, he asked me to be. Uh, so that's, I really sort of fell into it. You know, I didn't look for it. You had been volunteering, hadn't you, all around the city? Oh, yes. I mean, we, we volunteered with youth work. I mean, that's that my background is, uh, you know, I started as a cleaner, a caretaker in a youth centre, uh, then a youth worker, then I worked for the pupil referral unit and volunteering at night time in youth settings. So, Yes, absolutely. Um, that's where, So it all sort of stemmed from there, really. You must feel that, I'm not put, hoping not putting words in your mouth, you're stopping other people going through what you went through, I guess, with some of the work that you're Do doing. Do you know what? I never used to t- tell my story a long time. I mean, yeah. I told people I was, I was brought up in the care system, but I didn't tell my story. And I think I stood up in council, probably one of my maiden speeches, and told a little bit about you know my life and domestic abuse and stuff like that. And it started a whole realm of like councillors coming forward saying that happened to me. And thank you for sharing that. This role has gives me a platform to share this story. You know, we have a stigma with young people growing up in care and people don't think you can get anywhere just because we, we do have a stigma. And I really feel this platform now to stand on a, a, and say, it's okay, we can get there, we can do things. You know, we can be somebody and have a voice, say, you know, things happen in life, things are bad, but we can get to where we want to want to get to. And mm-hmm. I think when I chose to be the Lord Mayor for the Year of the Child, speaking to young people, I went in all my gowns and spoke to young people. I, gave, I told them my story and it was a Care Leavers Award ceremony. They, you could have heard a pin drop. It was absolutely, it was spectacular. And for them to come over and say... Wow, it's amazing, you know. And those young people now have inspired. Inspired, you know. If it inspired one young person, one young person to go on, um, you know, mm. through whatever they want to do in life, and it doesn't mm. have to be the law. There said that it doesn't have to be a counselor, be anything you want to be. 
So, I mean, as we reach midlife and maybe come to sort of empty nest, which which I just have, you know, you do sort of start thinking about what, what you can give back and how you can become more involved in, in your community. To any of our listeners who wanted to, to do that, where did they start? How could they get involved? What could they do to help? The thing for me is, is just talk to your local councillors, so your local councillors in your area, because they're the ones of the knowledge to signpost you to anything that you're thinking of doing. If you want to get involved with youth work, if you want to get involved with food banks, if you want, they've got the knowledge of their community. And, you know, if you want to set up little groups, do that and, and ask the council to help you. Not just your councillors, the council can, you know, help you. It will help numerous people set up little groups. And you're right, you know, you get to this certain age and you do think you want to put back. I mean, even now I'm thinking about next year when my, my term ends, what am I going to do? What's my legacy uh, from being the Lord Mayor? And how is Sean now? Because he was ill in lockdown. I mean, yeah. it's quite hard, I would think, caring for someone going through cancer in lockdown. And what advice have you got for our listeners who might be experiencing looking after a partner who's seriously ill? Do you know what? We were very lucky at it. And I say, and we say this as a family, the time came when it, it was during lockdown when he got diagnosed. I had my two younger children at home. And so we were all there as a family. So we could look after him. So we wasn't all going out to work. So we were literally there as a family. And what I would say is talk. And it did help us all sit around and talk. And I mean, it was a, it was a scary, scary time. And it was times when we couldn't actually go to appointments with him. The only time I could go was when he actually got the diagnosis. So how is he now? He's he's all right. He's all right. He's it was stage three kidney cancer, so they took the kidney out and part of the bladder. He's doing well. I mean, don't get me wrong. He suffered with his mental health through it. So we, as a family, the family come round. We just talk about it because one thing that we all struggled to do probably back in the day was talk as a family. Mm. But now it's become to a point where we've got to talk. And I think because Sean lost all his family, he lost his sister and his mum and his dad to cancer we had to you know that's all in the back in in, in in his back of his head to thinking you know this is going to happen to me but it's just being there it's just talking it and you know getting all the help you can possibly you can possibly get and are you in touch with your real mum no no I don't know if she's alive I don't, I'm not sure I the last time I seen her um was 24 years ago just before how, I how do birth. you feel about that I've come to terms with that mm. It's took a long time. It, I, I'll be honest. Mm. I, it has took a long time. I don't think I'll ever get over it. The pain and the hurt will carry on probably to the day I die. But I learned to live with mm-hmm. it. And I'm not as angry. I understand. My mum was in care herself. My mum was in the same children's home right. that I'd been in. Um, so there was a family. Um, I broke that cycle. So my yeah. mum's sister was in care. Her kids were in care. I deal with it now because we've talked to people before that there is this idea we all have to stay close to our parents as, as we age and it's just not possible for everybody is it no absolutely not no I had a great relationship with Sean's mum I used to say she was she was my mum if me and Sean used to argue she'd stick up for me she'd she'd say what's he done to you now <laughs> and that kind of rela- <laughs> yeah. yeah that kind of relationship that I had with her you know I did with Pat and Pat passed away early this year so she couldn't come to the inauguration which was really sad but, um, and I have another um, special lady that, I, that fostered me only for just a year called Brenda. And I'm still in contact with her now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, still, I still, I still mm-hmm. see her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's lovely. Oh, and Donna, how do you look after yourself? You're spe- you spend a lot of time and energy on, on other people. Um, what about you? What do you do for fun and how do you look after yourself? Do you know what? I take the dog for a walk. We go for meals. I, I go and spend time with family. I don't have anything particular that I do. 
I watch Netflix, The Crown. I'm, I'm just obsessed at the moment with The Crown. I'm waiting for the other ones to come through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just um, take time to relax and, and um, you know, go and visit my daughter in Carlisle and mm-hmm. uh, with my granddaughter. So this is time-consuming, this role. It is time-consuming. Yeah. Like last night, we didn't get until half 10, quarter to 11. And some days I do four or five events. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't want to smile anymore. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to talk anymore. Don't speak to me. I go in another and, room. And you're <laughs> Just, happy with your, your you've, you've gone through the menopause, as you say. And you're, yeah. are you, do you take HRT? Did you get any help around the menopause? You know what? No, I didn't. I didn't. And, and actually, to be honest, at the time, I didn't even think it was. I was going through it. I, I, you know, I, I know now because I, I Hmm. I think I think I knew I was going through it, but I didn't I, I just didn't think I needed any any help with it. I mean they've gone to the doctors a few times with hot hot flushes and stuff yes. like that. But um when I've listened to what some women go through, which is absolutely horrendous, I think I've scaled through pretty good. I cannot moan. I think my family could moan at times with it sometimes, <laughs> but you know, I think I'm all right. <laughs> you've experienced so much you've been through so much what do you think you've learned about yourself what do you think is the most important thing you've learned about life I've always been true to myself I think and it it sounds like cliche this but I've always want to give back I think kindness just be true to yourself who you are now finally you have a poem that you wrote to share with us it's quite emotional so I might have to stop okay and I do apologise for the swearing because it is comes from a, a young person that found it very difficult at times. It's called Care. I was brought up in care. Care? Care? What fucking care? They didn't care. Who didn't care? No one fucking cared. All they did was leave me scared, scarred and scared, sad and lonely, cut so deep I could never find my way. Who didn't care? Mother didn't care. She put me in care but kept demanding me there. One day a week, we had to speak. Sometimes I sleep, would make my heart rate peak. She'd limp around the house and just about shout out. She'd give me that stare, evil. She kept me from dad just to make me feel sad. She was absolutely fucking mad. Oh, and very, very bad. She'd lock me away, sometimes all day. Never a love, just a shove. All she could say was stay out of my way. Never no time for play. Pushed in a corner or sent to my room. God, I hope I'm leaving soon. I could never play. She'd take my stuff away every single day. She didn't give me food when she was in a mood. Couldn't even move or she would lose her shit very, very quick. And I knew I would get hit. Not just a bit, because she really enjoyed this shit. Pull the hair from my head for anything I said. A bath so hot, it gave me red socks. She threatened to cut out my tongue if I tried to sing a song. No wonder those days seem so long. I'd stay up all night just to take back the fight and sneak past her room with the feeling of impending doom. I'd sneak around the house as quiet as a mouse just so I could get some food. Who didn't care? Spills didn't care. They just left me to stare out of the window all day. They'd made up their minds before I got there. It's just that stupid kid from care. They'd make up the rules just to me look like a fool. They'd give me a slap for any of that bad chat. In fact, he'd stand on a chair and jump in the air. He'd come down with a whack when he gave me that crack. They'd make me write lines and keep me behind. They took away my fun and just labelled me dumb. 
education, my ass. Who didn't care? Social workers didn't care. They didn't even want me there. My issues just left them up in the air. They never knew what to do. So my anxiety, well, it just grew and it grew. Every move I knew would be skew. Oh, look, somewhere new. They didn't have a fucking clue. I'd spend years in one place and they moved me with haste. No time for goodbyes, followed by, why cry? So stop talking shite and get my shit right. You don't understand my plight. You just want to go home at night and not listen to my words. So you'll never get it right. Who didn't care? Foster carers didn't care. Perverts and bullies are drawn there. Drawn to the role, that's their goal. To get you alone without proper vetting. They steal your soul and kill your innocence. They'd lie and they cheat and work me off my feet. Lots away in a room filled with gloom. A servant girl I'd wait and wonder my fate. The council didn't care because they moved me there. I tried to speak out, but I had no clout. So they let me remain and feel that pain. I was out of their hair, so they didn't care. They just left me to clean, which destroyed all my dreams. A family they're not, and it would have been easy to hate the fucking lot. But bitter, I am not. Who didn't care? Children's homes didn't care. Other kids just pulled my hair and would always stare to add to the scare. They call me names and ruin my games. They slap my face and nip my place. I was only a waif. No time of my own, no time of my own, just a deep, sad groan. I'd long for a mum just to have some fun. To take me away and learn how to play. But that didn't come. I miss my mum. Now all those years have passed, but the memories and the pain, they last. The pain I feel is so real. The only one person that cared was me. Tonya, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. <laughs> that was so moving and, and really articulates in a way that you... you. <laughs> still, yeah, so brilliantly. still. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we understand. But thank you so much for taking the time this morning to be with us and talk us through your incredible journey and the incredible work you're doing. And love that you're rocking your may mayoral chain over a really snazzy sort of denim jacket, I think. <laughs> that, is it? it's, a, it's a jump, it's an all-in-one. <laughs> oh, jumpsuit, denim jumpsuit. That's a good look with the chain. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, oh. thank you. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> this is my new intro high tech it's not no you you've been doing spared. that for a while you've been doing that for a while we're at nostalgia noodle what have you got for me take <gasps> me back in the trish tardis oh, the tt again an inspiration struck when i saw all those news stories about tom hardy winning that jujitsu competition did you see yes, it i did he just I'm turned a up follower of tom, of tom. Hardy. Yes. yes he just turned up didn't he to a school in middleton Keynes and took part in a competition yes. without any fanfare nobody and he won it yeah. and oh my gosh oh my yes. gosh it yes. was quite exciting wasn't it the outfit the outfit i can't the... i'm trying to keep it in i'm i know i'll say something that will get me cancelled and divorced probably anyway, as well. because it's this is a, a look back in time i'm not going to say hong kong fury because that's too obvious as a nostalgia noodle i'm going right, to say kung, kung fu with david carradine yeah. remember him and grasshopper <laughs> yes. it was 
I loved that. And um, it was... Uh, what did you like about it? Well, I liked him, obviously. Yes. I liked all the sort of mental anguish and torment and yes. the fact that he had those scars on the inside of his... Do you remember on his arms from lifting up the... Whatever it was, the hot thing. <laughs> so anyway, the point being, obviously that's nostalgic. I did Kung Fu lessons after that down at Vale Farm Sports Centre. Down I went, popped on a little Kung Fu outfit... And did some kung I'm fu. Again, you, you speechless. I can't you didn't imagine know that. you doing did you? kung fu. So I how did, did kung how did it? No, so, no nobody so can no see me. No, okay. No see you Actually, it didn't. It didn't amount to very much. I don't think I would have won in the ring with Tom Hardy, but I would have had a good go. Well, you'd have grappled Tom Hardy. I would have to the grappled in the ring. I tell you what, that perimenopausal rage would have taken him. <laughs> Lust and rage. Did you not Fatal go through? combination would have taken um, him down. You've got a shot put medal. You'd have been very Well, we have. Trip. I think I was quite strong. I was quite strong for a small a small thing. But do you not have any martial arts? No. Did you not ever... I think... Um, no dalliances? It requires a certain amount of patience, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, arts. that's true. Um, I did do Tai Chi once. Okay, no, that's... Ki Gong. Ki Gong, yes. Yeah. And a really strange thing happened. Go on. It was really odd. They said, you know when you have to put your hands together and feel the energy? Yes. Feel the energy. And he said it will feel so strong, your hands will spring apart. Yes. Literally sprung apart. Oh, really? The weirdest thing, yeah. That is. Did that. So that's, that was my little... Obviously, that put me off because I don't want to be in that <laughs> business. <laughs> would be good no for logic your, there. your cleansing and spirit, you know, your cleansing that you're doing. Well, I've got this. a hidden power probably, Trish, that shouldn't be yes, unleashed that's true. on that's, the world. That's true. You, you, um, it, really. I think you need to go to the mountains and find your own grasshopper. Yes. To guide you. <laughs> Not you, mate. <laughs> I'm call you grasshopper from now on. Well, that brings us to the end of Postcards from Midlife. New episodes are available every Sunday to listen to on your podcast provider. We would really appreciate it if you could download the episodes straight into your account and because that counts on our listener numbers. And we'd love it if you could leave a little review. A good review would be nice. <laughs> yes, it would. Not one good like Marion left. No, not Marion, no. not what she Load of old drivel. It was waffle, yes. Yes, drivel and waffle. But uh, if you don't think it's drivel and waffle, maybe you might want to tell your friends about us, your work colleagues. We'd love as many women as possible to feel included and join in this midlife conversation. And, of course, a lot of that happens on our private Facebook group. Um, so if you're not a member yet, do come on over and join in the chat. You can use our private Facebook group to post any feedback on the topics we discuss here, as well as suggest other things you'd like us to talk about or celebrities and experts you would love to hear interviewed on the show. Or you can email us directly at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. Even put a little message on Instagram for us. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.